Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Let's talk to one of the uh, the men on the board. That's uh, David Turner. Arguably, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the best motorsport producers this country has produced and continues True to be. That. And he is on the Elite Academy. DT, how are you, buddy? Yeah, g'day, Stephen. Well, first of all, I really, really can't see you doing a lap of the gods at Bathurst. There's only one of the two of you that can do that, and it ain't you. I'm sorry to tell you that. Well, okay, so let me tell you one little story. If I'm ever in the presence of Greg in Bathurst, I'm never ever allowed to be on the track because the first time we went to Bathurst and we were going up there and we parked beside the track because we were doing some links for television. He's, and he's yawning now. I'm going to tell the story and I don't care. And I said, oh, mate, oh, we had a rental car. Do you mind if I, can I drive around the track? You know what the answer was before I even got it out? You know, can, no, no, you yep. cannot drive on the track. So it was like the most gutting thing ever. You're not allowed... Even if it was a public road, no. No was the answer. Well, it was a public road at the time. It was a public road at the time, you see, and there's lots of people around. I was just concerned for their safety. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I have to deal with, with DT. But look, let's talk about the Elite Motorsport Academy. Can you break yep. it down, first of all, and foremost, what is it so people understand? Okay, well, it's an initiative that was started by Motorsport New Zealand in conjunction with uh, what was the Motorsport Scholarship Trust quite a few years ago now, and uh, it's been going since about the 2003 mark. Uh, we've had some 150-odd drivers, rally co-drivers, drifters, you name it, go through the academy in that time. Uh, we have a very, very strong relationship with the Otago Academy of Sport, which has been high-performance sport in New Zealand. It's had various names, but as far as we're concerned, they're our dear friends in Otago, and it's Otago Academy of Sport. Uh, and our success rate in... Uh, graduates that have gone through the camp is around the 34% mark of people that have gone on to have a full-time career in the sport in some way, shape or form, which is, you know, it's a pretty good overall stat. Um, And we're very proud of that because the whole concept of the academy is about giving these guys or girls uh, a chance to learn other things other than just driving the car. We're not in the business of teaching people how to drive cars. There are plenty of other people that do that and plenty of other good scholarship uh, you know, programs, which I know Greg's involved in the Tony Quinn one. So there's, there's a lot of things that cope with that part of it, that we're about the, the business side of the sport and the mental attitude towards the sport and all those sorts of things. Okay, so you talk about this 34% success rate. Give us some names that, that we readily know that have come through this Motorsport Academy and why, at that point in their career, you saw something special in them. Well, one of them was uh, someone that texted you, or sorry, DM'd you before, and that was Nick Cassidy. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's been, a, there's been a, a raft of them, and I, I, I looked through the list tonight, you know, and you look at the names of Hartley, Bamba, Evans, both of them, uh, they've all been through the academy. Van Gisbergen, uh, there's, there's plenty. There's, uh, you know, there's a young guy called Murphy just only two years ago that went through it. What stands out with those when we interview them initially to get the eight that go to the camp every year because that's, that's what goes to the camp. Uh, and if you look at this year as an example, uh, we had over 70 applicants 
for the eight positions. We interviewed 32 people and eventually cut it down to eight. Now, it was made a lot harder this year because of the fact that we didn't, for the first time ever, have a, have a camp last year because of COVID. Um, so it made it that much harder. But equally, those people that missed out this year should apply again next year because you've got to be in to win, like anything. Uh, the thing that stands out with them is whether or not there's just that little bit of spark that you can see some potential in. Um, you know, there's many things, the way they interview themselves, the way they go through the camp. And naturally, there's some that, that go on to do other things in life or, or choose not to be involved in the sport, or they're involved in the sport in different ways as well, in which case the academy has still done something to help those people out because it's about the whole nurturing and growing of, of the individual at the same time. And, you know, I've heard that from a lot of the respective parents when, you know, their son or, or daughters come back from the camp, they've gone, well, they're a different person when they came back. And we've got to also remember that it's not just the camp for a camp week. The whole graduation program goes for over a year. And we've, we've got tutors that are tutoring these people that train you know, Olympic athletes uh, alongside people like Holly Robinson when they're in the gym down there, which I always find inspiring. You know, um, the Highlanders, all of these people, these are world-class tutors that these people get the benefit of for over 12 months. So, yeah, it's an amazing thing, and, and Ronan uh, learnt so much and um, is, you know, he's taking so much of what he got out of doing the Elite Academy with him uh, on his journey. Um, but you would get asked, Dave, like I do, and is, is why do we have uh, such a strong propensity to be successful in this in this sport, which is which is traditionally and is going to continue to be forever such a difficult sport to get involved in and get to that top level, that top echelon of professional racing um, because of the financial side of it. What have you seen? Can you tell us why you think, um, from what you've seen, why we just punch above our weight and actually produce so much talent that, that on the world stage is as good as anybody else in the world? I think, Greg, you know, a lot of it becomes, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, the ones that go on to really, really succeed, a lot of it is personal drive that they have, the, the will to want to do it, not to give up on it, not to give up on the dream. Um, you know, a, a young guy that I'm very close to at the moment is Hunter McElroy. Now, he's on the verge of being on the third step of the, the Road to IndyCar series. He went through the academy a, a few years ago, and as you well know, you know, his dad was a great driver in his time, runs a very successful business in, you know, the Gold Coast in Australia. But Hunter, when he came through the camp, he was a young kid, just like Ronan was when he came through. And you kind of thought, with Hunter, uh, there's a little bit of a class clown, you know. He, he just came across that way. But actually, deep down, he really wanted it. He knew the pathway that he wanted. He'd set his sights on the States. Um, and he drove very well in Formula Ford in Australia, which got him to a scholarship program into the States. Won that. Got him a first-season drive uh, in the USF 2000 category. And then, you know, went on to Pro Indian and next year, hopefully, Indy Lights as well. So, to me, he's... He's probably quite a good example of it. It's just the fact that there's just the sheer determination and they understand that maybe at times, you know, all the, all the parts of the puzzle don't quite align, but they don't give up on it. And I think that's where we, as a nation, and it applies to guys that are behind the scenes as well, like Blair Julian and, you know, Scott Dixon's crew chief. 
it's the work ethic that they bring to the table as well. And Kiwis are renowned for that. And I honestly believe that that's what we do. Some of those values come from the academy. Uh, and that's the, the thing that money can't buy. Um, it's one thing to be a rich kid from Brazil with dad's neck large checkbook. But those other aspects, you, you can't buy that. That's, that's bread and that's actually part of our culture. And in your time with the elite, elite, elite Motorsport <laughs> Academy, uh, DT, has there one been one person walked in the door from the get-go and you went, that person's uh, winning this straight away. They're, 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 they're the one. They're the one that can, you know, is going to top everybody. No, well, no, not really, Stephen. You know, at the end of the day, when you look back at all the people that have been through the, the academy over all the years and you look at each year's camp that goes through or, the, you know, the eight that we've got in, in their camp year right now, um, no, there's not. It, gets, it almost gets harder and harder. Every year when we do the interviews, you go, my God, who are we going to leave out here, you know? And we debated it well into the night at uh, Lyle Williamson's offices uh, when we chose the eight that went to Otago in, in July of this year. We had 14, and we debated for a very long time to get it down to, to the eight that we did. Um, so, no, it would be unfair to say that there's one that stood out more than the others because they all have virtues, and they've all had virtues at various times in their careers. So if you look at a, a, a Brendan Hartley, you know, how do you compare that with um, you know someone that went through the camp only a couple of years ago? You, you kind of can't. But they all share a very uh, strong determination to succeed. And, and I think that's fantastic. You know, that's a very great virtue to have. You're listening to Race Control with David Turner, a member of the, what are you, the board or the, what are, what are the what's your name for Trust. that? Trust. You're a trust <laughs> member. Thank you for the Elite Motorsport Academy from Motorsport New Zealand. Uh, you've been a victim of COVID, not the actual disease itself, but career-wise, because I was reading the other <laughs> Let's day. Let's just make sure we get yeah. that out correctly, Yeah, just get, get that yeah. right. Yes, thank um, you very much. You were offered the chance. All David's mates now are going to ignore <laughs> him because he's got COVID. He's been a victim. I'm on quarantine in the spare room now. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn probably quite happy about that. Hey, uh, the other, the, you were had the opportunity to go to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, the F1 yeah. Grand Prix, and produce. But the yeah. old lottery uh, has uh, dashed those those dreams of getting to yeah. the big leagues. <laughs> well, I guess I can sum up Murph's uh, question from before the determination factor. So yes, it's true. I had the chance to uh, to go and work at the Saudi Grand Prix um, to be one of the producers, actually, and I was going to look after what will be a phenomenal pre-race it, show that they're going to so have. Sorry, mate, is, is, that, is that because they couldn't find anyone else that wanted to go to Saudi Arabia? Oh, <laughs> that's harsh. Uh, just checking. Uh, that's just checking. Just me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you, uh, you were telling me a quick story, but please tell me this little story, because can you give it away? Is there any NDA on the fact about the, the drones? The drones? Is there any NDA uh, on that? I don't, I don't know if there's an NDA because I didn't get the job now anyway. So oh, well, tell us, tell us anyway. What are the, what's, what, what's one of the big shows they're going to do there? Well, one of the things that I was going to be looking after was the television production of what's going to be about 65 drones in the year before the start of the race, oh, and they'll go up so many God. hundred feet. And they will then dim the lights across the circuit, and these drones will have lights on them. But when you look up into the sky, they'll be mirror imaging the shape of the track. Which I think is pretty clever, actually, the fact that they can do that. And then above those 65 drones will be well, another 15 of them with pyrotechnic display on them as well. Holy well, they, they, moly. they say they can do it. But, but, you no, know, have you not seen it done yeah, before, yeah, Murph? Yeah, yeah. Have you not seen it done before? Oh, we'll pull it off at oh, I've seen it done. Time. I have. I have. But, it's, geez, that must be nerve wracking. Yeah. Oh, un yeah. unbelievable. Look, 
Yeah, but that we, is I, crazy. I do have to ask you this question since we've got a little bit of time here tonight. Uh, your love of your love of the car. You are probably the one of the biggest IndyCar fans I know. Hold on, hey. Uh, uh, apart from apart from my other mate Greg, how I quickly said, mate. Well, no, no. But hang on, a, hang on a minute. If I've sat in the car and talked to IndyCars for hours and hours and hours with with DT, so I, and I haven't done that with you, so just you know, that's where my skew comes up, from. I can't put up with you for that long. Anyway, uh, anywho, DT, where does the <laughs> love of IndyCars come from? <laughs> it's not true. I do. It's two um, hours a night on the CNZ race control. I, I can actually um, give it credit to the late Larry Rice that showed me around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1996 after I'd been uh, in Atlanta working on the Olympics. And he spent the day with me, and I'd seen him race a midget here at Western Springs. Um, and I just kind of, I don't know, formed a connection with him then. And, uh, and it made me very determined, the fact that one day I wanted to go and watch the 500. And up until the time of COVID from 2002 until... 2000 and whatever it was, 19, I hadn't missed an Indy 500 in that period of time. Wow. And there's something wow. very special about that race, as Greg knows. You know, we've seen each other there. Um, it, it, there's something very unique about the, the position that IndyCar's in right now. Yes, Formula One is the pinnacle of our sport. We all know that. But equally, IndyCar very much stands right up there alongside it because of the discipline that those drivers go through. And then but it's getting better, though, Dave, isn't it? I mean, it's it's just going through yeah. this incredible um, sprouting at the moment of, of talent and oh, racing yeah. and excitement. I mean, something that Formula One is lacking. Well, when you look at it, you know, already at the moment, um, and it's hit the in manufacturer's capacity, they're looking at, at 40 cars trying to qualify for the 33 spots for next year's 500. So, you know, you, you can see that commercially it's very, very viable and successful right now in the States. And that, that's that's great. And, you know, we've got two Kiwis in the main game, both called Scott. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully Hunter will be in Indy Lights. Uh, Billy Fraser will be in, you know, Pro 2000. So there's, there's a vast number of Kiwis there, you know, and, and we've got a lot of people behind the scenes. I was lucky enough to, to take a photo two years ago of all the Kiwi mechanics that were at the 500 in, in 2019. And there's over 20 guys there working on various race teams and they all come from New Zealand. So again, it's, a, it's our work ethic thing. And it, you can tie that back to the academy as well as the fact that um, Alistair Wooten, who's one of the other trustees, mm. uh, came up to Indianapolis with me, who went through the academy uh, as a young driver himself and obviously he's in the driver training fitness game these days and he spent some time with Jim Leo who owns Pitfit in Indianapolis and trains Dixon and Canaan and a bunch of other people. But the interesting part about it at the end of the day is everything that Ali was teaching drivers back here is just the same as what Jim Leo's teaching them. It's just done on a bigger number of people. Um, but what we do down here and how we educate people, we're doing as good as anybody. And I think that's one thing that, as a trustee, I'm very proud of what we do at the academy because these guys get the chance to work with these you know, yeah. amazing tutors. And they really are amazing people. They're very inspiring. And, uh, and that's probably one of the key attributes to the trust as well and the way the academy program is that these guys for 12 months get access to these tutors at no cost to them whatsoever. As okay. a trust, we pay everything. Okay, DT, just quickly, running out of time now because it's mm. been so much fun yeah. talking to you. Uh, how do they apply? How do people apply quickly? Mm. Well, application, applications for next year's camp, so that'll happen in July, 
of next year uh, have gone online now. So you can have a look at the Motorsport New Zealand website and that will give you the pathway to that. Applications will stay open until February, March of next year. Um, so there's plenty of time. Uh, it doesn't matter, it's like the MIQ lottery, it doesn't matter when you get in there, but get in there um, and uh, and get your name in the ring because to get to the interview stage is one thing, to get past the interview stage is another thing. So I encourage everyone there's to nothing. check it out. And put there the people is, that are through the nothing. academy. There is nothing like the MIQ lottery, mate. Nothing. Let's, no, le- let's no, leave the MIQ lottery alone. DT, got to fly. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that.